0: It is November 30th, 2022, and welcome to episode 156 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed, three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. Today, I've had a hot story that I know is going to get a lot of debate amongst the team. Um, in early November, the United Nations General Assembly voted overwhelmingly to contend the U.S. embargo of Cuba for the 30th year in a row. The only countries that voted against the resolution were, surprise, the United States and Israel. Do so you guys know the embargo against Cuba, which has been called the oldest and most comprehensive U.S. economic sanctions regime against any country in the world, started after in the early 1960s following the Cuban Revolution. Uh, President Obama began to ease tensions with Cuba, including formally restoring U.S.-Cuba relations and making a historic visit to Havana in 2016. President Trump switched things around, scrapped these efforts and took a more hardline approach, including stepping up sanctions. Uh, since taking office, President Biden has not done too much change and has not deviated substantially from uh, President Trump's, former President Trump's policies. In Cuba itself, last year, there were anti-government protests triggered by a shortage of food and medicine, and the government's tepid response to COVID-19. The protests were the largest demonstration since the early 1990s, which I have to point out, I don't remember that happening, too young for that, and resulted in the detention of hundreds of activists. Okay, so now we, so right now we're at a moment, you know, 50 years plus, multiple generations have passed since the Cuban Revolution, and we still have this embargoes regime, like is this working? Is, you know, why, why are Americans, why is America keeping this up? Why are Americans tracking this story?
1: Jones, I'm going to jump in here, and I'm I'm really happy you chose this topic because I think it's it's something that we need to discuss. Given the, you know, the harsh approach the U.S. takes towards Cuba, it's important to go over the issues, why that is, and talk about it and look for ways to make things better. I think we need to face the reality, though, here, which is the Cuban regime is a thuggish, totalitarian freedom-denying regime, there are huge, massive pervasive human rights abuses on the island. There is no freedom there. People cannot choose their own government. They cannot choose how to live. They don't get to control their own economic destiny. They really have nothing that we enjoy here in this country. And it is it is a terrible situation for the Cuban people. It is true that our embargo has not resulted in a change of government there. And we should be highly attuned to that. And we should be looking for ways to make it more effective or to tweak it in ways that are going to result in a, in a better outcome on the Island. So, if your if your point is to be is to say we should consider cha- we should consider making changes in our approach to Cuba that will result in concrete changes that benefit the Cuban people, I'm all for it. I, I am afraid, though, that us unilaterally tweaking our our policy on the margins, as the Obama administration did, without real guarantees of reform on the island, is going to result in really no net benefit whatsoever for the Cuban people, and frankly it's not worth it like the, yes there's a little bit of cost to americans because we can't trade with cuba like a billion and a half dollars or something which is nothing in the grand scheme of things if the pe- the cuban people continue to be oppressed in the way they're being oppressed.
0: Jamil, I know you wanted to cut in. Yeah I mean I mean look I think I think it's I think it's pretty
2: straightforward I mean the uh, the obama administration relieves sanctions opens at an embassy in cuba and how does that play out oh wait a bunch of american diplomats and cia operatives get havana syndrome Right name for the place where the Cubans, uh, in partnership with their Russian allies, began attacking American intelligence and foreign service officers with you know with 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 a a unknown device that's literally that's literally causing brain injury. Oh, but that's 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 okay because you know we really want Cuban cigars, right? I mean, I, come on, like I, I look. There's no doubt that the Cuban people have suffered mightily under the Castro and his family and 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 the regime that's come since that. Right, the solution that is not okay, well, let's give those that regime and its follow-ons more money to continue to oppress its own people, right? The Biden administration, I can't believe I'm saying this, the Biden administration was right to impose harsher sanctions as it did early in its administration because the Cuban regime, like the Iranian regime, treats its people terribly. It's 90 miles off the U.S. coast. It's in our neighborhood. We should continue to pursue a policy that that is supportive of regime change there. And, and Les is right. Look, Yes, has the, 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 the effort has not succeeded thus far. It doesn't mean let's just give up. I mean, that's literally like, that's literally the, seems to be the approach. Well, you know, we tried really hard. It hasn't worked. So. Let's let it go. I mean, that's that's just wrong.
0: Or is it the same trying the same thing twice and getting the same result? That's the definition of crazy. I mean, I think that we point out, you know, the Havana syndrome partnership with Russia. But we we cannot say that Cuba poses the same threat today as it did during the Cold War. Right. It it doesn't pose the same threat to U.S. national security interests as it did then, regardless if it's 90 miles. Okay, I see a lot of heat happening to that comment. Okay, go crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah but yeah, but Jones, let's let's be realistic about what Cuba is doing. Cuba is working with our adversaries in Venezuela. It's working with other leftist governments in Latin America, undermining US efforts and diplomatic efforts around the region. It is antithetical to the things that we're trying to accomplish. It ally- it allies itself with Other repressive regimes who are denying democracy and human rights, it continues to be a very bad actor in the world and opposed to both our values and our interests.
0: But I do wonder, I mean, it's on Cuba's on a very short list of state sponsored uh, state sponsors of terrorism along the likes of Iran and North Korea. I mean, at some point, do we our, do our continued policies? And I just I pose it as a question: play into the Cuban government's regime's narrative that the U.S. is the bully taking it out on this tiny island nation, doesn't care what happens to the population. I mean, is that not? It seems as if like our response seems out of scope to what's going on on the ground, Jamil.
2: Well, look, well, look, hold on, hold on. Hold on. President Obama took them off the state-sponsored terrorism list, and then what happened since then? Well, they let the ELN, the U.S. designated foreign terrorist organization, come to Havana, right, to conduct peace negotiations with the Colombian government, and they refused Colombia's request to extract 10 ELN leaders, right, who, who after, after, after by the way, that group claimed responsibility for a 2019 bombing of a Bogota, Police Acad, a Bogota Police Academy, right? So, like, this idea somehow that, like, oh, they're not doing anything on terrorism. They also, by the way, harbor a number of fugitives from U.S. justice, including Joan Chessomart, right, who's on the FBI's most wanted list for killing an F, a New Jersey state trooper, Ishmael Labit, right, convicted of killing eight people in the Virgin Islands, Right. And Charles Lee Hill, charged with killing a New Mexico State policeman in 1971. And there are more, right? So this idea somehow that Cuba is not doing anything on terrorism, they're a perfectly good actor, right? We should just, I mean, that's it did, not did, say perfectly way, good actor. <laughs> Hold on. But that's what they did between the time that Obama delisted them, and they were relisted by President Trump at the end of the Trump administration. So this idea somehow that, like, it was a crazy idea to put them on the state-sponsored terrorism list, yes, I will grant you, they are not like Iran, okay? But are they still state-sponsored terrorism? They sure are.
0: I mean, Jamil, I don't disagree with the examples you just laid out, but we also have, you know, diplomatic relations with a bunch of countries who also suppress dissidents, who also arrest people, who don't extradite folks that we want them to extradite. They're, they're not the only player in the... On the globe that does that and and yet we we have our we go against cuba less uh
1: and i just want to make one other point and i know i know you're interested in tweaking things around the margins jones and i i just think we need to be super careful anything we do that supports the tourism the so-called tourism industry in cuba really provides more hard currency for the government to carry out its nefarious activities and we need to be really hard-eyed about it yes it is true that if we could open Cuba to other, you know, other values of democracy and human rights, and people could see how, you know, free people live, that would that would be terrific. That's really not going to happen with an opening to the, to the Cuban regime. They will control it. They will lock down all of the money, all that all that hard cash. Those dollars are going to go into the Cuban treasury and come out supporting rebel groups in Colombia, in Venezuela, and and other other places where we don't want them doing those things.
0: I don't. You know. Disagree with that less, but it wasn't it Gorbachev visiting the, you know, a Safeway or a grocery store in America that if, if everyone could see the way Americans lived, like the Cold War would be over. Right. And so just having Americans there bringing everyone with their iPhones and you know, living that lifestyle.
1: when the Cuban Gorbachev shows up, I'm all in.
0: Okay, we might be waiting a while. That's a wrap. Thanks to Garibula Otis and Brooke Agacon from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Friday for another great episode of Fault Lines, our podcast that gets you smart, fast on the national security debates shaking up America.